got to work for the best shots that we can um, as a team. And then, obviously, our defense has got to get a lot better. Um, and I always say, you know, they come in, and I didn't recruit any anyone for their defensive game. All they right. were all recruited for offense. So it's my fault. Now I've got to fix it. All right, let's let the fans ask the questions. Let's go back to the studio to Roger Hoover. Roger? Coach, your first call tonight comes from Miriam in Knoxville. Hey, Nick. How you doing tonight? Great game. Well, that may have been one of the first times that Pat Summit ever heard my voice. I was filling in for Courtney Lyle on the Lady Vols postgame show when they played Old Dominion on December 30th, 2009, my senior year at the University of Tennessee. And now we record a special edition of the Roger Hoover podcast on Tuesday, June 28th, 2016. Uh, I'm with you today from the baseball grounds of Jacksonville in the uh, home radio booth after we, the Suns have had a long bus ride through the night from Mississippi and now back here in Jacksonville. And with about three hours left to go on the bus ride, uh, checked my phone and checked for an update. I had had in the back of my mind for a while um, that I would eventually see, most likely first on social media, but uh, saw it uh, around when I woke up just on the bus around uh, 7 o'clock that legendary Tennessee women's basketball coach Pat Summit passed away at the age of 64 years old uh, after a really long battle um, with early onset dementia, Alzheimer's type, and uh, passed away today, surrounded by her family. Her uh, Lady Ball basketball family had made their way to East Tennessee over this past weekend. The rumblings kind of started on Friday and on Saturday, and um, we learned just how serious uh, it really was with Coach Summit. Uh, and Sunday and Monday kind of have had a time to reflect and uh, had a time to put in perspective what... Um, this incredible lady has meant uh, not only to the University of Tennessee and uh, to the state of Tennessee and the impact she had there, but um, just women's basketball, women's sports, and sports in general. Uh, a really incredible life and uh, somebody that um, my life was able to intersect with for just a few moments like you just heard when I was, uh, I guess, uh, filling in on the Lady Ball Network that day and um there are a lot of people that have had some really great tributes already. You can just look at John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel, Dan Flesser, that's known her for years, uh, Paul Feinbaum, Kate Fagan uh, have done incredible work for ESPN, and uh, there, there are just so many tributes that are pouring in from all across sports media, all across Knoxville. Um, part of me uh, finding out that uh, she'd passed away in the bus. I was able to listen to Doc, Jeff, and Heather in the morning on the Sports Radio WNML. And, of course, uh, Doc, uh, Mickey Deerstone, has been the uh, longtime play-by-play voice of Lady Vols basketball, took over for Bob Kessling in 1999, and before that had done some uh, color analyst work. So uh, really has as intimate a knowledge of the Lady Vol basketball program as anybody and uh, to hear him tell some stories, heard from Joan Cronin. Uh, she was on their show earlier today. Sally Jenkins, who wrote three books with Coach Summit. Um, just a lot of a lot of wonderful people starting to make their uh, tributes to Coach Summit, and uh, you know what they are. Um, 
a legendary career at Tennessee where she won eight national championships, uh, 16 SEC titles, 1,098 wins, more wins than anyone that's ever coached uh, men's or women's college basketball, and just the total transformation that uh, she was a part of in her career at the University of Tennessee, first hired when she was 22 years old and barely graduated from UT Martin, uh, where she was a player and then uh, won a silver medal at the 1976 Olympics in Montreal, later led the U.S. Uh, women's team to the gold medal as a head coach in 1984, uh, but helped lead the transition of Tennessee basketball, uh, especially women's basketball, from at a time it had been six on six and you only played half court to now the game we get to enjoy that uh, is a very fun product to watch. And um, she really got a fan base in tuned to what uh, good basketball should look like. And you even heard it, her mention in that clip uh, we started the podcast with uh, – that it's defense it's defense and rebounding uh offense sells tickets defense wins championships and uh you can look at all of the eight championships the national titles that she had and uh those are a hallmark and they especially were uh the two years i got to be around the team in 2000 from 2006 2008 when they won um uh, back-to-back titles the uh, 06 07 season and then the uh, 07 08 season with uh, candace parker uh really leading the way along with alexis hornbuckle Nikki and Asiki, uh, a host of really great uh, lady volunteers. But again, people are, are giving their tributes, and uh, there, there's no way I can do justice to what she's done. Um, there's no way I can put it in perspective like a lot of respected sports journalists can. Uh, but I can only give my memories of growing up in Kingsport, Tennessee, and uh, growing up a Lady Vols basketball fan, especially in the 90s where uh, the Lady Vols were larger than life and they were bigger than the men's team. Uh, the first basketball games I ever went to at Thompson Bowling Arena were not men's basketball games for Tennessee. They were Lady Vol basketball games. And uh, it was interesting. A lot of times you can get a whole block of free tickets. I remember uh, we got that with my Robinson family. Um, and we're able to have the whole family. I believe it was even a pretty good opponent. I want to say Louisiana Tech, something like that. Uh, we're able to watch, and that was during the 39 and 0 season. The Lady Vols would have uh, en route to their sixth national championship. Uh, players like Shika Holdsclaw, uh, Kelly Jolly, who may have been my first crush. <laughs> That's another story for another day. Um, just so many great players. The, the three Meeks, um, Samika Randall. Uh, Tamika Catchings and also uh, Shamika Holdsclaw, who, uh, I mean, how how lucky uh, was the University of Tennessee in the 90s to have personalities like Shamika Holdsclaw in women's basketball, Peyton Manning in football, and then you have a guy like Todd Helton and R.A. Dickey in baseball, all were on campus at the, at the same time, and uh, for a kid that grew up a big Tennessee sports fan, and then my dad started working in Knoxville, and um, I got to be around UT sports a lot more because of that. Uh, when I was in later elementary and middle school and high school, um, just how lucky we were. And I remember even getting to go to a uh, Lady Vols UConn basketball game. We had uh, 
lower level seats thanks to Rick Starrett who was running utladyvols.com in the early 2000s and uh, I'll never forget it was like the senior year of Sue Bird and then the freshman season of Diana Taurasi part of some really great Connecticut teams that uh, for a while really got the best of the uh, Lady Vols but um, you know those games were larger than life they're on cbs they were sold out whether it was in connecticut whether in tennessee and, and then just some of the final four matchups they had national championship game matchups i mean they they were huge and uh, i realized that women's basketball it doesn't have as large an exposure around the wor- country and around the world that it does Uh, where I'm from in East Tennessee and of course the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame is in Knoxville and my dad took me there when uh, it first opened that first year we went pretty quickly within the first few months uh, my dad and I were able to take a tour of the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame and uh, I always grew up with an appreciation for it and um, I knew when I went to school at the University of Tennessee that I wanted to be around it as much as possible and uh, when I got to campus, I uh, first started helping out with football practice uh, with utsports.com, utladyvols.com, uh, just covering a lot of football practices, putting Coach Fulmer's comments on video and then online back when it really was a very long and drawn-out process to get a three-minute clip online. That's what uh, my producer Drew Walker and I were doing in the Internet Communications Office at the University of Tennessee, uh, working for Rick Starrett, who used to uh, give my dad tickets. His wife uh, worked in my dad's box office at the University of Tennessee's Clarence Brown Theater. Um, But that, that brings up an even cooler point uh internet communications at tennessee we were one of the only offices in the athletic department that was in the men's department and in the women's uh we ran two different websites utsports.com utladyvols.com and a part of what i got to do my freshman year at tennessee uh, i hosted a podcast i'm on a podcast right now uh this is not my first podcast uh of course i've had one with the sons but uh going back to the fall of 2006 i had one it was called this week in lady Volland, uh named by rick starrett uh and darren hedrick uh one of my good friends who was on the first episode of the roger hoover podcast uh he hosted uh this week in big orange country and basically it was just small kind of clip small um two three minute clips uh describing what was going on for uh, all the individual sports you would kind of highlight the big sports first like you know for me it was uh to start the season you always focused on volleyball and soccer and then basketball kind of trumped everything from november to as it turned out april with those uh lady vol teams because they were so good um and so I got to really cover the women's side of things uh, much closer than I did the men's side of things. I really worked uh, with the football team, men's basketball team a lot. But for the most part, I was mainly working uh, with the women's sports teams and learning how to do some interviews. And it really just speaks to the fact that I, I was so happy I got to work with both sides. The men's athletic department and then the women's athletic department had its own unique identity, that Lady Vol logo Uh, their own colors the orange and the light blue and it was such a powerful brand and it went beyond basketball Uh, you know with volleyball soccer the softball team was great Monica Abbott's last year at Tennessee was my first Um, it it was just a great place I I can't I I can't put my finger on it Um, 
and uh, one of the people I got to meet early on in scheduling a lot of these interviews was uh, Debbie Jennings, who was a legendary media relations director and SID for the women's basketball team, and um, she really helped me feel welcome at the University of Tennessee my first few weeks. Um, <laughs> it's a funny story with Debbie. Um, I remember Rick Starrett brought me down to meet everybody, and I'd just gone to my first day of classes on that Wednesday, and uh, I kept saying, yeah, I'll be a freshman, because that's what it was around football practice when I went a few weeks early. Oh, I'll be a freshman here, and uh, Debbie Jennings just had a great look in her eye, and she said, no, you are a freshman here. (laughs) And it was kind of a good way to just welcome me in, and uh, my freshman year, I I really didn't need to go to uh, women's basketball games. There was really nothing for me to do, but uh, Rick Starrett had an extra seat. He kind of ran, uh, he didn't run the stats, he didn't keep the stats, but he made sure the stats went online. So I would sit uh, at, not at the scores table that's right on the floor, but there's a little, there's, of course, a concrete walkway in between the uh, the floor, the scores table, and then the seating area at Thompson Bowling. And there was always a back platform. There still is where there's uh, a lot of seats in the middle. So I was right behind the scores table. And uh, for me, a kid that knew he wanted to go into broadcasting, I, I had in the back of my mind play-by-play the entire time. But still, you know, wasn't sure if I was going to be a reporter or uh, maybe work at a local TV station and uh, be an anchor or something like that. Uh, or even a writer, but I, I just got in the habit of learning to go to those Lady Vol games, and uh, I, I had a great vantage point uh, close to center court, but on the Tennessee side, and uh, there were two people I, I watched almost more than the game, even though that was uh, that uh, team in 06-07 that would go on to win the national championship, the first one uh, the Lady Vols had had since the uh, 39-0 season with Shemekel Holtzkall leading the way. Uh, but I, I'd watch Mickey Deerstone and kind of take mental notes about how he just went about, you know, his preparation for the games and kind of the different people he would talk to. And then you couldn't help but watch Coach Summit and watch that incredible stare she had and watch the way she communicated in timeouts and, uh, you know, how she could quickly pivot from being uh, that ferocious, intense competitor and then the buzzer sounds, be a gracious winner, be a gracious loser whenever she met uh, the opposing coach right at midcourt. And um, it was just a blessing really to kind of have a front row seat, basically. Uh, I, I could hear what she told the players in the huddle. Uh, it was just amazing to be around. And, again, she was uh, one of the figures, along with Coach Fulmer, who, who I got to know during that time as well. Uh, these are people I idolized. Uh, and Pat Summit was at the very top of the list. I'd read uh, Reach for the Summit. I'd read Raise the Roof, learning about some of her great teams and kind of her different um, pillars for success. But uh, what an incredible experience it was kind of getting to go through uh, that freshman year and also my freshman year I got to experience for the first time Selection Monday at Pat Summit's house something I was able to do for three years I couldn't make it my senior year due to uh, UT baseball commitments but um, what she would do is she would host all the players and all the media for a selection show watch party. They would have it uh, on Monday, the day after the men's selection show, 
uh, was always on ESPN in those years, and uh, a lot of times ESPN was at Pat's house and would go live when the Lady Vols were introduced, and uh, it was a home-cooked meal by Pat, and the food was terrific, the jalapeno corn, the homemade ice cream afterwards, you always kind of sat around her pool, and uh, it, you talk about a delicious meal, and she was so gracious, um, and talked to everybody, and um, it, there was just a again I go back to the feeling that the Lady Vol Athletic Department had it was just a special feeling of camaraderie and uh, a dedication to doing things the right way and winning on top of that and uh, for three years I got to go to Selection Monday at Pat's house with Drew Walker uh, Elizabeth uh, Olivier Blattner who was our photographer for UT Sports and UTLadyVols.com Rick Starrett a lot of years Jeff Muir um and David Weinhold, my roommate and one of my better friends, uh, he was there as well for shooting photos. Um, that was an incredible time. You know, they could easily have done something in the arena or not invited the media for such a, a small gathering like that. But uh, they always made us feel welcome. She always gave us uh, all the media, just incredible access. Whether you're someone like me that worked for Tennessee, or you know, if you were for the New Sentinel, if you were for WBIR, she was always. Uh, very, very gracious. Um, I was really proud of that team that that won it in 06, 07. Uh, got to be at the uh, Knoxville Convention Center for the celebration following that. And then the next year, it was uh, really the same thing. You know, well, first of all, you had a banner raising that was incredible to uh, be courtside for and be courtside for a lot of the great games they had that year. They they lost some real tough ones in SEC play, and um, you know, to a very good Rutgers team, or they were able to. Um, win that Rutgers game with a little bit of controversy uh, with the uh, shot clock or the game clock malfunctioning just a little bit. Um, but uh, that team with Candace you knew was going to be special, and even though they had had their ups and downs in the regular season, they got it together at the end. Uh, Candace with her banged-up shoulder, Jenny Moshak taped her up, got her good to go, and then they uh, were able to win the national championship for number eight. Um and also during that season, I got to be um, on the Pat Summit TV show as the reporter. I uh, got to do the player features. I would write and voice those. Drew Walker would edit those. And uh, I'm very proud uh, of the video features we did, kind of profiling a different Lady Vol every week. And then I believe we had one senior package as well. Uh, and those are immortalized still on the uh, DVD that the Vol Network put together. Uh, for that season and uh, I've always been very proud that I was able to be a part of the Pat Summit TV show in that respect and also be part of um, you know a championship year uh, two of them right off the bat and then uh, following that they did not win another uh, SEC title or uh, NCAA title in my last two years there uh, and my senior year things changed a little bit uh, Rick Starrett Drew Walker had gone. A lot of my day-to-day responsibilities changed where I was mainly working uh, some men's basketball games and uh, didn't really do much at Lady Vol basketball games. But the one thing I would help out Jeff Muir with uh, for utladyvols.com is the Pat Summit teleconference. I would record those. I'd call in, uh, set up my Marantz recorder. Uh, It's actually the same one I'm recording this podcast on now, uh, some six years later. But I would record those and, you know, would never ask a question or anything like that. I would just have uh, the phone plugged into my mixer. I had a BlackBerry at the time and uh, would record those. But 
that was fine in November and December, the first part of the season. But in January, I had a Spanish class that happened to be at the exact same time of the teleconference. And I didn't exactly know how to mute my BlackBerry um, <laughs> like you do. You have the It pops up so easily now with the iPhone, and I think about this every time I do this. And, uh, you know, when I've talked to some other people before, they're like, oh, have you known Coach Summit? Uh, things like that. You know, you could tell I kind of go back to this story. I never got this stare that was immortalized on Sports Illustrated uh, and that you could really make you feel bad. I saw her give the stare to a lot of people uh, when I was right there. and It was not fun. Uh, but this is the closest I would come to it. So I, I was recording it and I, I at first I was going to try. I think one class got canceled so I was able to get it done and get it on the website just fine. And then I just got to a point where, and this is me being 21 years old, being stupid, should have just told Jeff, hey, I can't do this today or the rest of the season. Instead, I was like, ah, let's figure out a way to make this work. So I take my phone, I call the Pat Summit teleconference number, and I've still got it in my contacts, um, plug it into the mixer, and I, I don't know if I didn't know how to mute my phone or... Uh, if it was just something I completely forgot about, I didn't want to leave my phone and mixer out in the hallway and then leave class to go back to it. Uh, just being, again, dumb and 21 years old. And we had a fill-in teacher that day, a substitute teacher in the Spanish class, and was very, very loud, very talking loudly in Spanish, making us talk loudly in Spanish. Uh, and I'm just mortified at what may be coming across if, indeed, I didn't mute it properly. So I end the recording. Uh, at some point after class, go back to my dorm room at Gibbs Hall, start to open it up, and I can't hear anything wrong. But I keep hearing Debbie Jennings, who is running the teleconference, saying, whoever is near a TV or whoever's in a loud room, please mute your phone, go away, or call, you know, in the call, something like that. And I kept hearing these references to it, and I'll never forget, at the very, very end of the call... Debbie's like, well, this certainly was not our normal teleconference. Uh, we apologize to all of you talking to the media. And uh, also she apologized to Pat. And she said at the end, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And uh, I'll never, ever forget. Pat was just like, I hope you do. And you let me know. And that has stuck with me for the last six years. I bet I'll live however long I've got left on this earth, and I'll always be able to hear those words, you let me know, ring in my ear. So I am scared to death. I am absolutely scared to death. I eventually cut it up, put it online, where, of course, you couldn't hear anything. Uh, I kind of told Jeff what had happened, and he kind of laughed about it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it from now on, but we'll just not make a big deal about this. Uh, I think that was on like a Wednesday. The next night, the Lady Vols had a home SEC game. I get to the arena because I was still going to the games uh, and just kind of sitting and watching, taking notes at this point. And uh, Marcus Dittmer, who was the graduate assistant for the Lady Vols uh, that year, helping out Debbie Jennings in media relations, uh, he came to me and was like, hey, did you hear anything about uh, what happened on the teleconference? And I kind of sheepishly told him that uh, it had been me. I left it going in the... Uh, I left going in my Spanish class, and uh, I know it was very noisy and disrupted everything for everybody except me. <laughs> and he, uh, he, he was, he was like, "Hey, don't worry. Uh, I'm not going to tell Debbie. I'm not going to tell Pat. I'm just, you know, we'll we'll figure out a way to cover it." 
And uh, I even saw Debbie that night, uh, and I kind of made a joke about something, I don't know, trying to kind of gauge where she was with me, and she gave me a smile. And uh, I don't know, Debbie, if you're going to listen to this, uh, you're hearing this all these years later, but yes, it was me. I had the tape recorder, or I had my uh, recorder going uh, during the teleconference during a Spanish class at UT just because I was trying to help out and was trying to be too tough and didn't want to give away the uh, one of the only things at that point my senior year that I had been helping <laughs> utladyvaults.com. Uh, I was 21. I was dumb. I've learned from the mistake. And again, all these years later, I could still hear uh, Pat at the very end saying, you let me know. And uh, uh, that's kind of terrified me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's really the closest interaction I, I think. And it, again, we didn't even interact there. But, um, you know, I met her when I was a kid, got a picture taken with her at the Big Orange Caravan. I posted that on my Instagram and Facebook today. Um, but I was not one of the people. Uh, she wouldn't know my name. We, we had a few conversations, had a one or two one-on-one interviews, but it was very brief. It was about, you know, a player being injured or something like that. It it was nothing substantial. So, um, you know, I'm not someone that was in her inner circle. I was uh, just kind of a student that was helping out with all sports on campus, Um, but uh, always, always loved covering Lady Vol basketball. And that was a great thing about working for UT Sports and UTLadyVols.com. I got to be a part of each and every sport. I got to go to at least a practice or a game, a meet, rowing events, uh, you know, I, golf. Brian Rice and I did a live stream one time on UTLadyVols.com of, of uh, their golf tournament at Fox Den. Um, you know, I got to be a part of all of it. And one of the most incredible parts of all of that was uh, getting to be uh, – around Lady Vol basketball and then the clip you heard to start the show I got to fill in a couple times on the Lady Vol post game show so she may have heard me there and uh, never knew her that well but um, she had a tremendous impact on me just the way she went about her business the way she prepared and uh, the dedication uh, you know talking about starting your own engine and uh, that's something I've always uh, tried to remember in the back of my mind you know it's like when she told her son Tyler that you know he was in tears that he got cut from his middle school basketball team but and then he said mom will you help me and she said I'll help you but you've got to help yourself first you've got to start that engine you got to get the fire going and um, uh, I, I think a lot of times when I'm thinking about different things going on in my life, my career, I can kind of go back to that and the amazing example she set. And um, I think about that with pride. Um, when I graduated from UT, uh, the first opportunity I had to call college sports came not with uh, UT after graduation. It came with Maryville College that did men's and women's basketball along with football for two years on KnoxIvy.com. Uh, and then in after a year in Jacksonville, came back to Tennessee, did UT baseball in 2012. Uh, that was the spring of the last season she was the head coach for the Lady Volunteers. Uh, announced in August that she had uh, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's type, and was going to coach this season. And it was unknown whether or not she'd be able to coach multiple years. I think at first the plan was that uh, she was going to be able to uh, at least, I think, three more years, she said. But then the reality set in during the season that it, all signs really pointed to this being her last year. And um, Tennessee finished their um, baseball game on a Sunday afternoon. And I went to 
it was of course on campus uh, at UT and for some reason it was Lady Vol senior day for 2012 and I just had the back of my mind I was like this couldn't be the last time that Pat Summit is the coach at the University of Tennessee and so I went down uh, after everything was done um, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium I went to Thompson Bowling and walked in and uh, got a floor level seat at halftime and um, sat next to some fans that said you know you gotta yeah and I, I was just I was tired from the baseball game we just played and uh, I was just kind of sitting there not making much noise and just kind of watching the sideline and uh, watching everything watching Pat and um, you know the fans that they were incredible and um, it had been real sad to see you know the fact that this was looking more and more like this would be the last season for Coach Summit but uh, that day Tennessee kind of went about everything normal and um, even when the game was over uh, kind of everyone was standing cheering kind of looking around but um, there wasn't a big moment at the end of the season where um, you know Pat really got to have a curtain call at Thompson Bowling and she kind of went back and started doing her different media duties and things like that and um, I don't believe she was doing the radio post game at the time, and uh, I'll just I'll never forget how odd that feeling was uh, watching her walk off the court for one last time. Um, and a lot of people, I know the people around me, and a lot of people, um, we just watched and kind of waited. And uh, even when Mickey Deerstone's post game show was done, just so many people just were. St- standing in the stands kind of sitting and just being quiet and and just not knowing what to do and um, that team of course went on to win the SEC tournament have a really incredible end that year and um, and then lost to Baylor in the Elite Eight um, where Pat memorably said in the locker room that just losing sucks and um and then it wasn't too long after that. I remember John Wilkerson and I were driving to a UT baseball game, and we uh, turned the Sports Animal app on my phone and listened to the press conference at Thompson Bowling when Pat handed over the reins to Holly. And then um, I got a new job that summer to work at Carson Newman, and uh, we were part of the first game that Pat Summit did not coach. At Tennessee, when Holly Warlick coached that exhibition game, and uh, a different feeling, a different feeling. Pat was head coach emeritus, but um, you know, in the last few years, obviously, her health started to climb. They did the wonderful Pat Exo uh, thirty for thirty on ESPN. That really told her story well by different people. Uh, she, she wrote a great book with Sally Jenkins that came out that year as well, called Sum It Up, and talking about some of the different struggles she had gone through having to live with Alzheimer's and um, then of course we got the news uh, this weekend that um, her health was really declining and then uh, the news this morning that she passed away and it's tough it's it's really tough um, 
I've seen Alzheimer's in my family before, and um, I've seen how it can just rob a, a person of their life. And um, for somebody that had a lot more to give besides coaching basketball and you know it's regardless of what she could have accomplished as a coach it's just the amount of lives she could have continued to reach through basketball um and through just being pat summit it's tough that that was taken away from her at such an early age and at such a quick decline just 64 years old and just about five years from where we first learned that she had dementia for it for her journey now to end um it's just very sad it's just sad and uh, i think i'd feel that way if um even if i didn't grow up in tennessee and didn't really grow up a lady vol uh supporter and then you know even in the last two years i've I've not worked um i've not worked for uh Lady Vols at all. I've actually worked for one of the teams they compete against in the SEC, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I've been fortunate to be their women's basketball announcer, and um, I think I think that was one of the things that kind of sold me when I first kind of took over uh, that job was the fact that hey, he went to Tennessee, worked for Coach Summit, and I really didn't work for her a ton, but I was around her, um, covered her uh, like a media member on a pretty much daily basis for four years, um, and. Um, the impact she's made, you can't put into words. Uh, you know, from driving the team van to staying on mat, sleeping on mats in the opposing gym the night before a game because they couldn't afford a hotel room, having to do the team's laundry to where they are now, um, a very comfortable way of traveling and uh, playing in these huge arenas for tournaments and. Um, getting really top billing on ESPN during the NCAA tournament and the SEC tournament. Um, it's because of one person. It's because of Pat Summit and um, the impact she's had. Uh, you really can't describe. So it's tough. It's really tough to come to terms with the fact that she's no longer with us and that This sport's going to go on without um, her being physically able to be there. And she was just so intense and it's such a wonderful person, too. You know, I, I know Dan Flesser's story uh, in the New Sentinel talks about how, you know, everyone called her Pat. Uh, I was, I guess, part of the group that was, you know, just a little bit on the outside. It was always Coach Summit. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I grew up uh, with great reverence for her and also Coach Fulmer, who I would never uh, dare call Philip. Uh, you know, it, they were larger in life. And uh, I'm just, as I think back to some of the memories I've shared here, and I think back to the different times I got to be around her and even just something as simple as sitting there behind the scores table and watching her work and watching that stare and watching her basketball genius. Um, I was very fortunate, very fortunate that I got to cross paths with Pat Summit and um, I hope to stay in sports a long, long time. And um, I don't know if I'll ever meet anyone that 
Was that successful? Was that humble, even with all the success? And again, somebody that just simply made an impact and changed the direction of women's sports forever. Not just basketball, but women's sports. What is the most recognized women's sport? It's basketball. And in a lot of ways, it's women's college basketball. And um, I'm also touched by her loyalty to the University of Tennessee. You know, she got that job at 22 years old. Uh, didn't even go to school there. Went to UT Martin, uh, a directional school as part of the UT family. But uh, she could have coached anywhere in the world. She could have. She she could have coached at any school. Uh, she could have coached and had her pick of any WNBA team, any broadcasting job she wanted. Uh, could have worked just, you know, a pretty uh, more scaled-back schedule, just coaching USA basketball. But she didn't and even when there were overtures like hey what did you consider coaching the men's team she said why would I make a lateral move I'm coaching the lady volunteers and um, that's an incredible legacy to leave empowering women like she did for so many years and uh, her good work is going to really reverberate for a long time and um, I think we all can be very thankful for that even though today's really hard today's really hard to say goodbye to a legend like her and you know i just definitely send my thoughts and prayers to her son tyler uh, and her family um and also our lady ball basketball family that um is really hurting right now and um it's, it's just hard that this is the way that the Pat Summit story will end um, with the death at far too young an age um, with such a terrible disease. But just thankful, again, for some of the times I got to have around the Patricia Head Summit and um, I'm definitely going to enjoy uh, all the different tributes and um, I doubt I'll be able to get back to Thompson Bowling for the uh, public memorial they're going to have for just because of my baseball schedule. But um, definitely be there in spirit and um, look forward to the next time I get to be on campus at UT and uh, head by her statue um, and just pay some respects because she she's done a lot for me. And again, I'm not somebody that she was on a first-name basis with. Uh, maybe a, a memorable face. That's about it. But kind of the lessons I learned observing her first as a fan, first as somebody that always uh, grew up enjoying coaches. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they have sports stars, they're heroes. I loved coaches. I really did. I loved you know, Coach Fulmer was one of my absolute idols after Peyton left. He, he was kind of the next guy for me. And uh, Coach Summit, Bob Knight, I was a big fan of, and different baseball managers through the years. And uh, so I, I learned so much in that part. But then that's what only what you see. That's only what you see in the media or what you may notice uh, in the stands from afar. But uh, like I said, I was fortunate to get right there and kind of get to watch all this unfold over the last few years. And um, it was incredible. And it truly was a blessing, again, to just be able to cross paths with somebody like Pat Summit, 
uh, because we're we're not going to see someone like her ever, ever again. Certainly, thank you for listening uh, to this podcast. As uh, again, I just share some of my personal memories of Coach Summit and uh, what it was like to be a student at Tennessee when uh, she won two national titles and um, made a, a big impact on me. But we'll have some uh, some more guests coming up. We may even uh, have some other guests coming up this week that are going to share their stories of Pat Summit. Uh, I've got a couple people in mind I'd like to talk to. So uh, this may not be the last time we touch on Coach Summit, and especially as we get closer to a public uh, memorial for her at Thompson Bowling Arena, uh, we may have someone uh, kind of report to us from Knoxville on uh, what's going on uh, back there in my home. But, uh, again, just – Sending thoughts and prayers to Tyler, the rest of the family, the Lady Ball basketball family as well, and uh, we're just thankful. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thankful. Just again, very, very thankful for the great life of Pat Summit. Our regular studio host is Courtney Lyle, but tonight Roger Hoover subbed in admirably. That's going to wrap it up from the arena tonight as Tennessee wins 102-62. Until next time, for the head coach of the Lady Vols, Pat Summit, this is Mickey Deerstone saying thanks for listening, and so long, everybody. You've been listening to Vol Network coverage of University of Tennessee Lady Vol basketball, produced by IMG, the world's premier sports, entertainment, and media company. This is the Lady Vol Network.